everyone, and welcome to the October 16 edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foles, an attorney with Floyd, Skern & Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. Another workers' compensation provider is challenging the constitutionality of the new vendor suspension law. Here's what is happening in the federal case filed by Dr. Christine Elaine Erosevich. Anna Nicole Smith was an American model, actress, and television personality. In February 2007, Smith was found dead at the Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Hollywood, Florida. Dr. Joshua Pepper, the Broward County medical examiner and forensic pathologist, announced that Smith died of combined drug intoxication with the sleeping medication chlorohydrate as the major component. Chlorohydrate becomes increasingly lethal when combined with the four benzodiazepines, clonopin, found in her system, along with Valium, Serzac, and other drugs. She had taken Benadryl and Topamax also, which likely contributed to the sedative effect of chlorohydrate and the benzodiazepines. Dr. Perper claimed that Encino psychiatrist Dr. Christine Elaine Erosevich had issued 11 prescriptions to Smith. Erosevich was also with Smith when she checked into the Florida hotel where she later died. More than 600 pills, including about 450 muscle relaxants, were missing from prescriptions that were no more than five weeks old. After the investigation, Erosevich was charged in California and initially convicted of two felonies in the jury trial involving the treatment of Smith. One charge was later thrown out and the other was reduced to the misdemeanor crime of unlawful prescribing. The criminal case has even been the subject of a California Supreme Court decision which reviewed the issue of double jeopardy as applied to an order for retrial in her case. Dr. Arosevich was a 1975 graduate of Ohio State University College of Medicine and became licensed as a physician and surgeon in California in 1978. In 2011, the medical board filed an amended accusation against her seeking revocation of her medical license. The sixth cause for discipline cited the Anna Nicole Smith criminal case as grounds for discipline. And other causes alleged that she engaged in dishonest acts by making false statements in a psychiatric report and billing statement regarding a workers' compensation claimant. In March of 2012... The doctor admitted the truth of each and every charge in both allegations. Four years later, in 2016, her petition for termination of probation of her medical license was granted and her medical license was fully restored. Then, in September 2017, the DWC notified Dr. Arosevich of its intention to suspend her from participating in the workers' comp system. The reason was the suspension of her medical license as well as her suspension from the Medi-Cal program. On September 18, she requested a hearing before the WCAB, which was set for October 10. But on October 6, a few days before the October 10 WCAB hearing, Arosevich filed a federal lawsuit against officials of the DIR.
She alleges that the remaining misdemeanor count was ordered set aside, a plea of not guilty was entered, and it was also dismissed by the Superior Court. Thus, it could not be used as grounds for her suspension. With regard to the other reasons stated, she said her petition for reinstatement in the Medi-Cal program was currently pending before the California Department of Health Care Services. She claims it would be unfair for her to have a hearing on the suspension at the WCAB on October 10 before that petition has been decided. She alleges a number of constitutional challenges to the law as well, including the prohibition against ex post facto laws contained in the United States and the California constitutions. Her case in the federal court has been reassigned to federal judge Wu, the same federal judge involved in two prior legal lien claimant constitutional challenges to the workers' comp law. She also filed an ex-party application for a temporary restraining order seeking an order enjoining the scheduled suspension hearing from going forward on October 10. But on October 6, Judge Wu denied her request and set a conference to discuss further proceedings in her federal case. The Court of Appeal ruled that in specified circumstances, a worker who engages in criminal fraud in attempting to recover workers' compensation benefit and is convicted of doing so is thereafter barred from recovering benefits growing out of the fraud. However, in given circumstances where, independent of any fraud, a worker is able to establish his or her entitlement to benefits, benefits may be awarded. Here's what happened in the unpublished case of Pearson Ford versus the WCAB. In 2006, Leopoldo Hernandez accidentally slammed the trunk of a car on his left hand and crushed one of his fingers while working at Pearson Ford. He applied for and received workers' compensation benefits. Dr. Byron King, an orthopedic AME, had some difficulty in examining his left arm and hand. Although Hernandez complained about his inability to use his left hand and arm, he would not permit Dr. King to perform grip or pinch strength tests on the hand. Subsequently, Hernandez was examined three times by Dr. Walter Strasser, a pain specialist who had been treating Hernandez. On each of these visits, Hernandez wore a sling on his left arm and complained of continuing severe pain and inability to use his left arm and hand. But video surveillance was conducted following each of the three visits to Dr. Strasser. Following each visit, Hernandez was observed taking off his sling, using his left hand to get in and out of his truck or car, using his left hand to steer his truck or car, and on one occasion stopping at a grocery store and using his left hand to carry a bag of groceries. Hernandez also saw... Dr. Greg M. Balderas acting as his primary physician. As he did when he was examined by Dr. Strasser, Hernandez appeared wearing a sling on his left arm. Following his visit to Dr. Balderas, Hernandez was again observed taking off his sling, driving his car, and stopping at an appliance store where, using both hands, he lifted a washing machine into the back of the car he was driving. 
After A.M.E. King was made aware of the surveillance, Hernandez appeared for another exam, this time more cooperative than before. Dr. King performed a number of objective tests and concluded that his hand was seriously compromised and gave him a 38% impairment. The AME said the videos were not very helpful in making any diagnosis because it was difficult to identify any actual finger motions of the left hand other than using the left hand and thumb to hold and move objects. In March 2011, Hernandez was charged with four counts of violating insurance code section 1871.4. Three counts were based on his three visits in 2010 to Dr. Strasser, and one count was based on his 2010 visit to Dr. Balderas. Hernandez was also charged with insurance fraud within the meaning of the California Penal Code. Hernandez pled guilty to one count based on his May 2010 visit to Strasser and was placed on summary probation and required to pay $9,000 in restitution. But in 2016, a work comp judge relying on Dr. King's conclusions found that Hernandez suffered a 70% permanent disability. The WCAB denied reconsideration, and the Court of Appeal affirmed in the unpublished case. The main issue on appeal was the employer's argument that any award to Hernandez for the injury was barred by the Labor Code, which precludes payment of compensation related to the perpetration of a fraud. The leading case interpreting this section is the 1998 case of Tensfeld v. WCAB. The court in Tensfeld took pains to expressly limit the scope of its holding. The labor code would not be used as an automatic or broad prohibition on the payment of benefits which were not directly connected to a worker's fraudulent misrepresentation. Here, the work comp judge found Hernandez met the three requirements set forth in Tensfeld and the WCA adopted, WCAB adopted those findings. The WCJ found that Hernandez suffered a compensable injury. There was substantial medical evidence supporting an award, which did not stem from his fraudulent statements, and his credibility had not been so damaged as to make him unbelievable concerning the underlying compensation case. Dr. Eduardo Aguizola claims in his federal lawsuit that Labor Code Section 4615, the automatic lien stay law, violates his constitutional rights. Before submission of his request for an injunction, Governor Brown signed AB 1422 this month into law, which was clean-up legislation to the automatic stay law adverse to the doctor's federal case. The parties in his federal case were given additional time by the federal judge to brief the implications of the new law. And the California Attorney General has now filed what is the final scheduled written response. The Attorney General said the plaintiffs are asking the court to void Labor Code Section 4615 in its entirety. This is an outcome that would enable criminally charged lien claimants to continue collecting on their liens unabated while criminal charges against them are pending. 
AB 1422 confirms that lien claimants may raise any disputes concerning the applicability of the automatic stay to specific liens using existing workers' compensation procedures. It also confirms that the legislature never intended to strip the WCAB or its judges of jurisdiction to determine whether a lien falls into the category of liens subject to the stay. The amendment to the statute should resolve any lingering concerns as to whether lien claimants have access to due process in order to dispute whether the provisions of Labor Code 4615 apply to their liens. Judge Wu will hold another hearing in federal court on October 19 and will likely rule on the request for a preliminary injunction shortly thereafter. And now our crime report. 72-year-old Dr. David M. Morrow, a Rancho Mirage cosmetic surgeon who has been on the run for four months after pleading guilty to medical fraud, was sentenced in absentia to 20 years in federal prison. The federal judge noted that Morrow's greed knew no bounds and that he showed an utter disregard for patients' well-being and safety. As part of the sentencing, the court found that the loss from Morrow's scheme was over $44,000. Prosecutors say Morrow was a successful doctor who owned a medical clinic and multiple valuable residences, yet he engaged in a scheme designed to steal tens of millions of dollars from insurance companies. After admitting guilt, he went on the lam in the hopes of avoiding the punishment that was sure to come. But prosecutors say that when he is taken into custody, and they claim he will definitely be captured, he will serve the lengthy sentence he deserves as a result of his greed and fraud. Morrow is a dermatologist turned cosmetic surgeon. The Morrow Institute is in Rancho Mirage. He admitted that he submitted millions of dollars in claims for procedures that he certified were medically necessary, but in fact were cosmetic procedures. In some cases, patients underwent procedures they did not want in exchange for promises from Morrow that he would perform the cosmetic procedures that they really wanted. The guilty pleas followed a grand jury indictment that alleged Morrow and his wife lured patients to the Coachella Valley Surgery Center with promises that cosmetic procedures would be paid for by their union or PPO health insurance plans. Morrow and his wife are believed to have fled in May of 2017. Prior to becoming fugitives, they failed to report the sale of their $9.45 million home in Beverly Hills to court officials, among other things. Last month, prosecutors filed notice with the court that Morrow had breached his plea agreement by becoming a fugitive. Charges against Morrow's wife, 65-year-old Linda Morrow, are currently pending. The investigation into the Morrows and TMI, their company, was conducted by the FBI, the IRS Criminal Investigation Division, and the California Department of Insurance. The United States attorney announced that 39-year-old Christina Hernandez of Las Vegas pleaded guilty to embezzlement from a health care benefits program. Hernandez was a provider relations specialist 
at the Fresno County Department of Behavioral Health, which was responsible for administering mental health services benefits for Fresno County Medi-Cal beneficiaries. Hernandez was responsible for reviewing and approving claim forms from private mental health care providers. Hernandez submitted claim forms for medical services that were never provided in order to steal funds from Fresno County. She then took the payment checks for those fake services and cashed them at check cashing stores in Fresno for her personal benefit. In addition, she stole payment checks written to doctors for actual medical services provided. Hernandez stole approximately $100,000 from the Fresno County Department of Behavioral Services. She is scheduled to be sentenced on January 8 and faces a maximum statutory penalty of 10 years in prison and a $250,000 fine. This case was the product of an investigation by the FBI and the Fresno County Sheriff's Office. Federal authorities also announced that 50-year-old Raul Orpeza Lopez and 43-year-old Ana Maria Orpeza, both of Delano, California, pleaded guilty to mail fraud. Raul Lopez obtained Social Security numbers, names, and other personal identifying information of U.S. citizens and legal residents, and then fraudulently used such information to provide undocumented workers with false identities required to work as farm laborers in the United States. Then, when the undocumented workers were laid off at the end of the growing season, Lopez and his wife filed fraudulent unemployment insurance claims using their names and identities. Over a period of six years, Lopez and his wife submitted more than 520 fraudulent unemployment insurance claims on behalf of over 70 individuals, collecting at least $1.3 million. These defendants are scheduled to be sentenced on January 29 and each defendant faces a maximum statutory penalty of 20 years in prison and a $250,000 fine. This case was the product of a joint investigation by a number of federal and state agencies. And in regulatory news, in a move that could set a model for other states to follow, Governor Jerry Brown signed SB 17, legislation requiring drug companies to report certain price hikes for prescription medicines. The law aims to provide more transparency around pharmaceutical and biotech company pricing methods for their medicines. It requires drug manufacturers to give a 60-day notice if prices are raised more than 16% over a two-year period. It also requires drug manufacturers to notify state purchasers health plans, and insurers and PBMs at least 90 days prior to notice of an increase in the wholesale average price of a prescription drug. The law also requires health plans and insurers to file annual reports outlining how drug costs affect health care premiums in California. The bill has been opposed by drug makers, who argue that wholesale price increases do not reflect the actual prices paid for medicines after discounts and rebates. The Biotechnology Innovation Organization, BIO, the leading biotech industry trade group, issued a statement condemning the bill and arguing that it would not serve its intended purpose. 
They said, this law will neither provide meaningful information to patients nor lower prescription drug costs, adding that the law seriously jeopardizes the future of California's leadership in this innovative industry. California is home to hundreds of biotechnology companies. Pharma, the drug industry lobbying organization, condemned the law in a press release that claimed California's latest bill falls short of offering patients, providers, or policymakers any meaningful information on medical access, affordability, or coverage. Rather, they say it calls for mounds of red tape and government reports that look only at the list price of a prescription drug rather than considering actual patient spending after negotiated discounts and rebates. Pharmaceutical companies have so far dodged stricter federal oversight despite growing public and political outrage over pricing practices for both branded and some generic medicines. But states struggling to cover rising health care costs have been addressing the issue rather than waiting for federal help. According to the National Conference of State Legislatures, at least 176 bills are on, on pharmaceutical pricing and payment have been introduced this year in 36 different states. A new Maryland law takes aim at egregious price hikes on generic versions of older off-patent drugs. Amid the furor, some drug makers have voluntarily pledged one annual price increase of under 10% on some branded prescription medicines. It had been common industry practice to raise prices twice a year, often by double-digit percentages. However, even annual price hikes of 9% over a two-year period would put a company in the crosshairs of the new California legislation. The DWC has suspended three more medical providers from participating in California's workers' compensation system. That brings the total number of providers suspended this year to 49. Orders of suspension were issued against the following providers. Samuel H. Albert of Tustin, a psychiatrist who pled guilty in June 2016 to conspiracy to commit health care fraud. Albert had submitted over $4.2 million in fraudulent claims to the Federal Office of Workers' Compensation Programs. Barry Julian Broomberg of San Diego, a physician and owner of La Jolla Medical Associates, who pled guilty in September 2013 to visa fraud and surrendered his medical licenses in September 2014. Broomberg knowingly made false statements under penalty of perjury on visa applicants' report of medical examination and vaccination record forms without performing the required tests and examinations. Robert E. Brezadine of San Diego was suspended. He's a psychologist who surrendered his psychologist license to the California Board of Psychology in March 2014. New law requires the division's administrative director to suspend any medical provider, physician, or practitioner from participating in the workers' compensation system in circumstances as described above. The DWC has posted an adjustment to the inpatient hospital section of the official medical fee schedule 
to conform to changes in the 2018 Medicare payment system as required by Labor Code Section 5307.1. The effective date of the new changes is December 1. Further information and adjustments to the inpatient hospital section of the OMFS can be found on the DWC website's OMFS page. And in other industry news, Amazon is in the final stages of analyzing its strategy to get into the multi-billion dollar prescription drug market. The company will decide before Thanksgiving whether to move into selling prescription drugs online. If it does decide to make that move, it will start expanding its senior team with drug supply chain experts. Amazon typically spends years researching opportunities before it telegraphs its intentions. The opportunity to sell drugs online is alluring given its market size. Analysts have estimated the U.S. prescription drug market at $560 billion a year. In the past year, Amazon has ramped up its hiring and consulted with dozens of people about a potential move into the pharmacy market. The consumables team, which includes groceries, kicked off the research with the division's vice president taking the lead. It brought in someone from Primera Blue Cross to build an internal pharmacy benefits manager for Amazon's own employees. Then, the push into broader drug supply chain hinges on its success with this effort. In May, the company kicked off its search for a general manager to lead its pharmacy push. Amazon already has its businesses selling medical supplies online, such as gauze and thermometers. It also has a health team which is focused on both hardware and software projects like developing health applications for the Echo and Dash wand. Its cloud service, Amazon Web Services, continues to dominate the health and life sciences market. And with that story, that is all of our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, iPad, or Android device by searching for the WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. Again, I'm Renee Fols, an attorney with Lloyd, Skirin, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today, and please drop by again next week for more news. <music>